the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, where I, Emily Anger, get to interview my husband, Jim Anger. Hello. Sitting across from me with a man bun pony thing. <laughs> I have a man bun pony. It's riding <laughs> your around, way right now. Getting around that time for the haircut. <laughs> On a steel horse I ride. And Emily, welcome back to you. The Howlin' Wolves were asking, where's Emily? Is I know, our, I got a marriage chew- okay? Are there some <laughs> things that we need to hash out right now? Well, actually, I do have a list in my journal here. My No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Two weeks of not talking to you. It, it, there's a lot that's built up. <laughs> that is true. That uh, is true. <laughs> um, no, I've, I've enjoyed my break off. Um, I have to admit that I have not listened to the podcast. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure, I'm sure it was great. How are my substitutes? You're our secret saboteur once again. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I was saying, I to well, you earlier, a break is a break, right? And I was a little offended that like I was not asked to interview Eric or interview Matt. Like how you could just slip into the host role uh, without like you just feel like you can wear all the hats. Yeah, well, we already know that this podcast is an exercise in ego for me, so you shouldn't be that surprised. <laughs> Uh, that is true. We're exercising the practice of digging deep into <laughs> your brain, <laughs> trying Glad to figure out what makes you work, what makes it work, that brain of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm often puzzled. Our children are often puzzled. Possibly you, the listeners, are off- often puzzled. I had a really bad humor night last night with our kids. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, just not working. The boys were pretty much on you for like some of your jokes and... yeah. Didn't, yeah, dinner had some some aspects of a comedic intervention where they were like, Dad, you just need to yeah, stop you're, you're right not now. Funny. This is not, funny. not we, funny. We want you to hear that we love you, care for you, and love you enough to say you're not funny right now, and we want right. you to stop. Meanwhile, Jesse and Clara are like just licking the tiramisu off their plates. Right. <laughs> like, could care less. Yep. I think they also didn't find you particularly funny, but they weren't going to join the intervention. Yeah. They've given up on you. I wasn't any less funny than usual to them. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, Powell and Wolves, you could write in and let us know what you think of Jim's Hank, Jim's humor. <laughs> okay, we've never promised to read all of the post Sunday blues at gmail.com. Yeah, well, only some of them. I could bring up the specific joke in mind and see what the audience thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's move on to um, the post Sunday Blues actual podcast part, where we call it Stormy Monday. Call on this Tuesday, um, we're looking at a sermon um, where you're kind of going through the greatest hits of uh, controversial issues of the the last couple of years. Uh, I don't, I don't moment. know. Yeah, I don't feel like this one's should be political, but we're. Anyway, but maybe that's the case for all of them. I don't know. Well, that's an aspect of what I wanted to get into this Sunday. So Yeah, and you kind of, like, you started off by saying what is politicized, and then you gave a list of the things that are politicized Mm -hmm. these days. Um, Yeah, what are the things you were talking about? 
We politicize stuff, sort of everything. So what we eat, what we drive, how we drive, do we have electric, do we not? What we do in terms of medical choices, mask wars, vaccines seem to be an issue in certain parts of the country right now. Our media choices, the clothes that we wear, where are things sourced, where we shop, how we shop. Are we Big Box in Cherry Hill? Are we Haddon Avenue in Collingswood or some combination? What we do for work and what we do for rest and recreation, all those things, which was a lead in to say even the environment is politicized. Right. Um, and so this was one of the the hot button issues. Again, I feel like when you're talking to Collingswooders or Collingswood yeah. and the surrounding boroughs, it yep. shouldn't be a hot button topic, but yet it kind of seems to be. So where did this burden come from? Um, and what were your thoughts as you started gathering ideas for this sermon? Yeah, so we are still in the midst of the Represence Initiative here at Liberty Collingswood, trying to inculcate within our people a third-way walk and worldview, which is captive neither to the ideologies of the secular right nor the secular left. And as we are trying to hit various topical issues as we go through Genesis chapter 1, this week was caring for the environment. And you're right, Em, I think for, for Collingswood specifically, our, our community, uh, environmentalism is a settled issue, as in we need to be absolutely for it. But if you look at national politics, if you look at some opinions within the church in America, these are things that are still pretty contested. So yeah, I don't think that this sermon which I hope said pretty clearly that we need to care for the environment would have been sort of the opposite of the sermon that I preached the Sunday before this. So not controversial in Collingswood community, but as it's refracted through political and Christian lenses, and I did try to get into some of the reasons for that, it can be a contested sort of thing. Right. And so, uh, you know, kind of addressing our congregation and specifically, like, Mm -hmm. did you feel a specific... Um, burden or message that you wanted to get across in general for this sermon? I think for our for our group, both people in the room and Liberty Collingswood members and frequent attenders online, uh, my sense is that most of our people actually really do care about the environment, but because there is this collective memory that for one reason or another, it seems like churches in America, at least the right-leaning ones or Bible-believing ones, are not necessarily for environmental care. It was one of those, kind of like a don't ask, don't tell, where, yeah, we care about the envi- environment privately, but is this something that our church can get behind and in what way? So maybe the, the through-line burden for the specific Liberty Collingswood context was what I said towards the end of the sermon about, yeah, we have permission to talk about these things. We have permission to, like, ask each other, how we can get better, be kept accountable, to put environmental care on the table for us to continue to chip away at. Right. And I'm sure as we dig deeper, we we can get into those specific um, takeaways. Um, But I guess going on to Sun Studios and as we think about how the sermon was constructed, Mm -hmm. um, Presence of the Lord, a song that I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) or a lyric that I don't know. I could sing it for you. Go for it. Presence of the Lord. <laughs> okay, stop. Okay. <laughs> I, when Eric Clapton has got singing, nothing on me. Yeah, I feel like you were singing. Actually, he's not a great singer. Good guitar player. Was it like two sermons ago? One sermon ago? You were singing. Singing in the sermon? 
I don't, maybe not. Okay. Maybe singing in the sermon is kind of like singing in the shower. You sound great in your own mind when you do it. Yeah. You some do people. it more. Check, check on that with Jesse first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this Bible passage, you, um, you were going back to a passage that Eric had already preached on. Yep. Tell me more about like what made you, you know, dial back onto this passage. Right. So mapping out the sermon series this fall, and you mentioned earlier that this is a little bit of a greatest hits fall with hot button topics. That that's by design. We are trying to build out biblical perspectives on. Not just what the, what the text says in a narrow way, although that's the that's the backbone, that's the spine, that's the foundation of the preaching that we want to do at Liberty Collingswood. Uh, expositional is what the kids call it these days, but then also broaden the range of implications where texts like this from Genesis chapter one, human beings having dominion over the earth and the plants and the animals, pretty clearly to me has environmental implications. And a point of fact, this is a text, I mentioned this a little bit later on the sermon, that has been used by people that care deeply about the environment to say that the church and Christians are, by their own scriptures, against these things. So it seemed like a fair jumping off point to jump into these things more more deeply. And, and I'll say for me, I'm the, and hopefully I'm not outing myself in the Collingswood community as, as a faker or a poser, but environmental issues... Are, are not things that I care deeply about. And I want to nuance that a little bit to, to say that I, I should care. And I believe the Bible does call me to care about these things, but everybody's different. Part of it might be, I'm just not like a super sciencey person. So when I scroll through Atlantic or New York times or whatever, I don't tend to click on the, the sciencey things. You know, I have, I have people. My, I have my science department that takes care of that for me. You mean like your teenagers? Uh, sure. <laughs> so, you know, two, two Sundays ago, like I do care deeply and it's, you know, some people would not enjoy reading philosophical histories of identity construction in the West from the time of the 1500s to the present. Like I, I really like those things and they're genuinely interesting to me. Caring about the environment is more of a learned behavior. And so I hope that when I jumped into the scriptures here, it didn't sound like I was faking it, saying that we need to care about these things. And it's actually an area where I need to grow personally. So it was good to jump into this passage for me and be reminded if we understand men and women's dominion over the earth as a stewardship Right. then I better I better dig in and care about care about these things more. So last thing I'll say here, baby. Did you the, just call me baby the, on the podcast? <laughs> it's not the first time. But anyway, we'll 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 keep going. Should I pull out my pet names for you? <laughs> yes. Please do. That is to say I don't have any. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the, the pet names are a one-way street in our marriage for <laughs> reasons that are not entirely clear to me. Holland Wolves, you can let me know what pet names what you pet think names? I should have for Jim. Right. And I even forgot it's what we were talking about. It's probably because I'm against, like, I don't even like the term Holland Wolves. <laughs> I just don't like pet names. <laughs> so, so it's a sign of affection that I don't have a pet name for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did I distract you? <laughs> yes. No, you were saying um, that it it is a point of challenge to um, for you to be facing these issues that you're not necessarily internally wired to face. Yep. Yeah. And so st stewardship of, of the environment 
I hope pretty clearly comes from a passage like this one. Yeah, that's not the challenge I thought I like part of this section is dissecting what you found interesting or challenging. That's yeah. not something that I would have thought you would have um Oh, and what I was going to sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. um, but what I was going to say there was that this is one of these. Sometimes getting to the point of the passage scripturally does take a lot of interpretive work because it's challenging or difficult. Hopefully, this is one of those sermons where pretty cursory reading of Genesis one twenty eight to thirty one would make sense to people as to why we're talking about environmental care. So, and and also because Eric preached a whole sermon from these verses right. and did a more of a double click exegetically. I didn't really spend much time there. Sure. I mean, there to me, the, the words like subdued and dominion, mm-hmm. like those are at the cursory reading. Those are the, we don't need to think about the environment. We can just yeah. take over the land. Right. So I feel like that's the cursory reading. That's true. And I did mention in the sermon as well that I found this this scholarly article in a journal by a person named Eric Mitchell that I was relying on for. That's for the, right. How much did you for steal? The first part of of the sermon. What what was interesting to me, and it was highlighted by by Eric's paper, and something that I hadn't really made the connection about. And I guess this this is the last thing that I have for presence of the Lord. Jumping into the the scriptural dimensions of the sermon, the stuff about one of the dimensions of this Christ, the Jewish Sabbath being environmental care is something that I hadn't thought about before. So hmm. every seventh day, it's not just the human beings. And I just, right before podcasting right now, I'm working on the sermon for this Sunday that is going to talk about Sabbath. So Sabbath is not only for people, but the animals are given rest hmm. once a week as well. And every seventh year, the land is given rest right. and then finally one of the reasons that judah went into exile according to jeremiah and second chronicles is the fact that they despoiled the land and didn't take care of it so those were interesting biblical perspectives that i don't think i knew it was good for me sure I, one of the reasons one of the things i love about sermon writing is that you still learn new stuff about the scriptures right no great stuff great stuff eric mitchell you were going to come up and thanks buddy cover tunes but you know <laughs> Jim doesn't like to stick with his. <laughs> it's a his selective schematic, sticking. right? Okay, so m- moving on jazz. to muddying the waters. Uh, yes. Well, yes, we are we are playing jazz here as we podcast <laughs> with jazzy jazzy titles that uh, I don't it's understand. More, more blues and jazz are two different genres. Are they though? In muddying the waters, um, as Jim gives me, (laughs) Jim gives me a look. (laughs) What were the things in the sermon that you found, um, like interesting or like as you were trying to address different contexts? um, What seemed the the thing that like made you? I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Well, let me just say, and this this relates both to muddying the waters and also jumping into guitar slim pickings just a tiny bit too to talk about cutting room floor. One of the things that I chose not to do in this sermon, there was an earlier version of the sermon that mentioned a lot of statistics and sciencey stuff about climate change and in global warming. For the sake of time, I cut some of that, or I cut all of that out. And so something that, and, you know, I was wondering what I get feedback one way or another about this. So I made the claim without defending that climate change was real 
which I think is uncontested at this point, but I did make a mention in the sermon. What is contested is whether or not this climate change is anthropogenic, meaning human being caused versus not. And yeah, and what was your mileage when I said, and, and this is something that I genuinely believe, that the climate crisis for our planet is so severe that getting to the bottom of the anthropogenic question seems a little bit irrelevant to me now. And, and we're in the Pascal's wager sort of territory sure. where it doesn't you know, matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter who caused it. If it's really, really bad right now and accelerating, some would say at least exponentially, how on earth could it be responsible for us not to try to do something about it right now? Right. I think that somebody who might think that it's not man made mm-hmm. might think that any man-made solutions would not address it yeah. fully. So I think that that would be why you might still have that discussion. Um, but I think you're right. Like um, there are like literal crises with fire, wildfires or yeah. floods, like persistent floods, uh, droughts that people who are actually living in those spaces like are having to deal with so right um i think those people whether they were i think it's depoliticized for the people living in those areas yeah and i was talking in the sermon as well about resting and being able to engage these issues to press ahead but then also from a place of of hope and rest i do see and it's a little bit apples and oranges but not completely there's fatalism on both sides of the aisle when Mm, it comes mm -hmm. to to the environment there's a lot of despair a lot of fatalism the Fatalism on the left is, you know, we've wrecked it and it's just going to get worse. And we should try, but it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. But then the analogy on the right is we can't do anything to save it anyway, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that we can do. So they're actually not as different from each other, at least at that level. Right. And that is probably, that's probably an emotion that, as you were trying to engage, I think that that may be the takeaway for like me or the Collingswood Liberty Collingswood audience mm-hmm. in general, not not everyone specifically, but the how do you deal with those emotions? You talked about people having a physical visceral response to some of the um, climate change things that happen. Like again, even if you don't use the word climate change, but if you like just look at the wildfires in C- California, yeah, or if you look at the devastation from frequent hurricanes or earthquakes. Like there's, there is a visceral, I don't even want to think about it because it feels wrong Mm -hmm. um, and sad. So I think that you're trying to help um, engage the context of how we viscerally feel Mm -hmm. was good, important. Yeah. And a little bit of backstory as my own muddying the waters. So, and this holds for the sermon two, two weeks ago as well. I think I... So because I grew up in Louisiana and New Orleans, that that relates to issues both of gender identity and and environmentalism. So New Orleans is probably the most gender fluid place in America and and has been has been forever. And, you know, cross-dressing on Mardi Gras Day is, is, is normal. It's 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 abnormal not to cross-dress. So so both as I see gender identification 
registering with people, and this is you know since college or over the past twenty years, both on the right and on the left, there there are really strong feelings as people seem to engage it as this new thing that we need to have strong opinions about all of a sudden. But it's it's something that, you know, never really rattled my cage. And, you know, I do have, you know, biblical opinions ab- about these things, but 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 the angst of getting to the bottom of it maybe is something that that is not native to me because growing up in New Orleans is just a different a different set of experiences. So in some ways it's less politicized for me at a personal level than I think other people. And that's also true of the environment where coastal erosion from the Gulf of Mexico and Louisiana has just been part of the equation for for people living in Louisiana forever from you know, the founding of New Orleans onward. Because it, New Orleans is below sea level. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is that. I would it's say like it, logic. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it seemed like a good idea at the time, but it never really did. But we made it work. And so coastal erosion was something that was not a right versus left issue. And you actually saw you know, Republicans, Democrats, government businesses that were largely aligned saying, hey, we need to do what we can to stop this. Not that there weren't any arguments and not that business would tilt one way sometimes in government protection agencies another, but but I grew up in a context where environmental issues were pre-political and not as politicized as they are right now. Right. So then your story about um, your your um, uh, high school friend, the, the victory, the the one who was victorious over you, um, <laughs> how she ah. how she wasn't even able to mention um, the I got, term I got a B plus in physics. My I know, you know, like I also had someone who was over me and I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) It really beats me up, genuinely, but but go on. She lives her life, I live mine. (laughs) I'm sitting here (laughs) sipping tea in front of my husband, (laughs) talking to him on a podcast. (sighs) Life is good. Okay. Um, But it is like, that was a mind-boggling like where we are right now and that was that can't have been that recently that she said yeah, why, this but why don't you repeat for our listeners well, what why don't you because it was your <laughs> it was sure. your story you're the storyteller so, so emily you and i were hanging out in new orleans we were in our late 20s at this point i think we had come from one of the times when we were coming to new orleans so like last from, year from west texas oh right you know there there's some solo trips to new orleans that one or the other of us might no, take. No, I'm just saying because when we were in our early 20s last year. Oh, yes. More or less. So when we were younger versions of ourselves, quite recently, we were hanging out one time with a woman whom I had come up through school with. It was the K-12 through environment, and she's an environmental engineer that did some combination of working for LSU and then also consulting for oil companies that were active in South Louisiana. And I asked her, what's your take on climate change and global warming? And (laughs) what I said on Sunday was, it's like she had the MCU gag order where she could not spoil anything about the upcoming slate of movies. She, She wouldn't budge and said like, I cannot, I'm not allowed to tell you I could lose my job if I make any type of comment that could be taken in any way 
about the state of the environment because it was so politicized for her at that point. So I guess that does. Do you think they're listening now my... to this podcast? Do you think that? Do you think that her saying she couldn't say anything is already a betrayal of her contract? <laughs> it's a butterfly <laughs> flapping its wings. <laughs> LSU, if you're listening, I'm sorry yes. that my children aren't applying to your college. <laughs> right, 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 right. Was it right. LSU or was it the government who was keeping her silent? That's a good point. So, and just to connect the dots there. So even in my experience, if caring for the environment was not super politicized, this former classmate of mine would have said, actually, that's not the whole story based right. on they my gag you. order. They kept you blind. Yeah. Nothing is simple. <laughs> um, okay. So you were engaging these contexts. You were, um, you were kind of laying out the history of where it became at least not politicized uh, politics-wise, but in yep. the church. And right. I thought that was an interesting history lesson also. Yeah, that was probably personally my favorite part of the sermon, coming into this some of this church history. So I probably should have mentioned on Sunday, and I think this is I think this is true. It's only in America where you have environmental issues so polarized within churches, where mm-hmm. you have the progressive or liberal churches that are all about the environment, then you have the conservative churches that are not at all about the environment and are anti-environmental right. care. So even if you go to other parts of the world, there is more of a consensus between right-leaning churches and left-leaning churches. Right, but it's just important. This is something that we can agree on, Mm -hmm. less so in American church. And I think that is changing for some global Christian communities more recently, but I think that's only because of American hegemony, Hmm. both in terms of political headlines and... The influence that American churches have on, right. on on global churches. So, Em, you love talking about the fundamentalist modernist controversy. Oh yeah, but you've you've at least heard me talk about that before. Well, so I mean, in, I in lived the, it so. in the early <laughs> in, in the every day. I lived it without fundamentalist modernist. I mean, I lived it without the fancy term, so <laughs> I kind of understand it as the like my upbringing versus my right. new bringing. Sure. <laughs> So the fundamentalist modernist controversy comes from the early 20th century. So before Emily was alive, we we think there there are even deeper roots that I guess I I am married to an older woman. We've we haven't talked about that enough. The early 20th century, when there was a peeling off of progressive churches from what I would consider mainstream, historic, robust Orthodox Christianity with findings of you know, new biblical studies, archaeology, etc., so and embracing modernity, globalization. But yeah, you know, there were there was a controversy in the Northern Presbyterian Church in the early 1900s where there were a lot of Presbyterian ministers that, that were honest in saying, I, I can't say the Apostles' Creed anymore because I think all of that like historic Christianity stuff is outdated. So there's a doubling down of churches that called each other back to the fundamentals. All of that is to say that was a split where you had progressive churches that were worried about collective stuff, public morality, stereotypically social justice crusaders. But then you had the conservative churches, the fundamental churches that believed the Bible, but then interpreted things pretty individualistically where, hey, believe in Jesus, Get out of get out of hell free, go to heaven, and all we need to think about is preaching the gospel. But 
you know, the gospel is more broad than just soul salvation, but you had that split. And so the environment went in the direction of progressive churches. So there's that layer. And then there's also the layer from the late 60s and early 70s when, yeah, and this, this was, I suspected this, but it was fun doing some research about it over the past Mm -hmm. couple of weeks. So I, I, I knew some of these basic contours there were built in to progressive environmental politics and platforms a fairly explicit anti-christian agenda sure and so from that perspective it's not super surprising that there are some churches that are not on board with environmental causes because they were specifically (laughs) attacked in some of these conversations in earlier generations yeah, and I think, I mean, it kind of makes me think of one of your later points, which was uh, like a call to have nuanced conversations. Because I, yep. I do feel like in human nature, you have a tendency to, if you're attacked, like you tend to just like, you know, yeah, you whip, back, whip yeah. back to the other fight side. Um, when sometimes, sometimes you like you don't need to let go of the entire issue just because I think that's the issue that you're talking about with um, all these third way issues that you've been bringing third up. Third way walking with you. <laughs> what is with that voice? <laughs> is that a movie it's reference? Third, I don't it's my know. third way voice. <laughs> but like, I think our call as Christians is to be examining scripture and examining this issue and not like letting ourselves just be knee jerking against somebody who holds the position just because that you disagree on some other position they hold. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think that it's interesting and it's interesting that you were saying that, um, that this is mostly an American issue, like uh, in the American church. Right. Like, yep. is that true of Canada? It, it, yeah. I just don't know the answers to those things. Is it true of Copenhagen? <laughs> Tell me about Canada. Well, I can tell you about Copenhagen. Okay. <laughs> it's a very green, like, environment in Denmark. It's where... true. Okay. So, <laughs> for those that don't know, Emily has been on a Copenhagen deep dive rather randomly recently. <laughs> but I actually, like, genuinely, like, their whole sales pitch was that as a culture, they are very green environmentally right. uh, in incorporated into their design and architecture and city planning mm-hmm. and food. And you're just like, you know, you know but I'm curious about what the, you know, the church, the gospel believing church has to say about those issues in Copenhagen. Yeah, I have <laughs> so many negative scarred experiences from doing IKEA with you in my 20s that any thought of any Denmark is not IKEA, is IKEA is not Denmark. Deeply off-putting. It, they're different countries. It doesn't they're the same. <laughs> Going to make like Eric speak about <laughs> If it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. International Pisces. <laughs> Didn't you just talk about racial issues this spring? Okay. <laughs> yeah. People what people really wanted me to do is get to the get to the bottom of the distinction. Of your own heart as it has as it is inclined towards Scandinavian countries, yes. So many emails, but what about Scandinavia? <laughs> Helen Wolves. Okay. Feel free to, Moving on. Yeah. Did we? Are there other uh, issues that you would like to talk about in the muddying the water section? I, I mean, think you did, we covered it. Okay. Anything else on your end? I ha- I took a lot of notes, but 
I think we can move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bar band cover tunes. Yes. Um, you had references. Eric Mitchell was the first that I, I had references. Noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna skim through. I honestly like hmm. skimming, skimming, skimming. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote science article. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. There, there was a journal. What were the science. highlights of the of the references? What what highlights yes. would you like to cover? So from the cultural contextualization and engagement, a couple of ones. So Lynn White Jr. wrote this article in the Science Journal. It was called Science, if you remember. So they. Oh, so my note that said science article was actually <laughs> right. the title of the magazine. Yeah. Sorry. So, so what what's in common? between me and the journal science is a love for titles and a deep commitment to putting marketing <laughs> dollars behind their behind wait their, you put marketing dollars towards muddying the waters tons of it yes so and it's one of those things where you know and it's not like i spent hundreds of hours researching the sermon and in, in particular m but it's always nice to see different sources that you read point back to the same sorts of things and it that's one of the signs that, okay, like I'm getting a little bit of an idea about the basic lay of the land when what I'm reading here and there are corroborating each other. So multiple Christian reflections on the history of environmentalism in the 20th century went back to this article that blamed the Bible for the trashing of the environment. Uh, Eric did a really great job of unpacking what dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds, etc., what it means to have a proper calling of environmental stewardship as a result of properly interpreting those verses. But Lynn White Jr., whoever this person was, took it in the other direction and just blasted the Bible for its disregard of the environment. So that that was interesting to see reflected and refracted in multiple ways. I also was intrigued. Is there just, sorry, this is kind of a tangent. Is there another version that uses something different than like dominion and subdued? E-R-I-C at liberty.org. So if if I were preaching the first sermon, that's something that I would have researched and, and looked into. And, and I'm sure that Eric did too. So okay. Howlin' Wolves, feel free to put me on the Eric Mitchell trail and we'll get his two cents on that at a later podcast. But I don't have an answer for that right now. Okay. I, I was also intrigued, a professor in Chicago, Stephen Asma, Green Guilt, talking about how there are religious dimensions to the new environmentalism. And I think this is true. The quote itself was a little tongue-in-cheek in ways that I myself probably wouldn't have put it. But one of the nice things about using quotes is that you can let them be a little tongue-in-cheek. So talking about how the new quote-unquote sins are things like leaving the water running, lights on, failing to recycle, using plastic grocery bags. And the... The most intriguing part for me is that I understand that Stephen Asma is not a person of faith. So Mm -hmm. this is not uh, hard right Christian criticism, or at least it's not coming from there. But but somebody that himself doesn't have a particular faith commitment says there are tons of religious dimensions and you can almost cut and paste the content of traditional religiosity and Christianity, Mm -hmm. sin, redemption, salvation, judgment. All of those things are are there. Worship are there in the dimensions of environmentalism. So yeah, I, I was that was that was interesting to me, and mm-hmm. and I I added to that that 
you know, and we don't know a ton of people personally like this, but but a couple where environmentalism is central to somebody's identity, but those couple of people that we know are pretty anxious all the time. And right. So, so it's a religion of not being able to find any rest and truly demonizing people that are on the other side of the aisle. So sure. it's all horizontal. And instead of our struggle not being against flesh and blood, the struggle truly is against other flesh and other blood as it relates to what that flesh and blood is doing to the environment. Right. And even I think you could, people who are not as cold hearted as you, <laughs> like oh. normal people who care about the environment, uh, actually Gosh. also do struggle with the, the, those same feelings of despair when you start yeah, like reading or diving. I, I mean, I don't watch documentaries partly because of this. Like I, right. I, I mean, I should watch documentaries is yeah. kind of what I'm saying. Like, I sometimes keep myself ignorant about details because mm-hmm. I know I will be psychically burdened with yeah. the, the guilt of, like, right. using a plastic bag instead yeah. of carrying my own. Um, and I'm not saying that you, we shouldn't change. Like, you're you're positing that we should be um, caretakers. Um, but the what to do with the feeling of being saddled with guilt mm-hmm. in the context of of environmentalism as a substitute for religion like we're gonna see the apocalypse like it like i don't see human right. nature really changing so that all of these um environmental issues that are being brought up are are going to have a pleasant end yeah i think that's a really good point em and i would take it in this direction too to say that the gospel gives us a place of balance as we balance pressing and resting with these things so you know there may be some more like extreme cases of people that that we know that are like hyper environmental and like you know always wrapped up in these things i think most people you know friends and neighbors here in collingswood we bounce between caring deeply about environmental things getting really revved up about making better environmental choices but then being overwhelmed by the enormity of environmental issues feeling guilty that we're not doing enough and then just ignoring it and trying to forget about it and mm-hmm. go about our lives in non-environmentally conscious ways until something pings our radar again where we're consumed all over again but then it's too much and so it's just this consume and retreat consume and retreat the gospel Similarly to how, because Jesus is crucified and resurrected, we're able to see the bad news about our sin, but the good news about forgiveness. We're able, through the lens of the gospel, and this is why I quoted Romans 8 at the end of the sermon, Mm -hmm. when creation is going to be redeemed, we're able to see the bad news about the state of our environment right now, but the good news of the fact that God eventually will make all things new. Yeah. Best reference ever. So we'll move on to guitar slim pickings. She likes me. She no, really it likes is me. true. Like that. That's the rest that we have. That is that third way again. Like, um, mm. I can't even say third way without. Anyway. The uh, tertia. <laughs> guitar slim Dextra pickings. Any right, leftovers? The, uh, Sinestra. Things that you wish you could redo. I like talking about yoga at the end of the service. So at the end of the sermon. It's true. Like we all not we all oh you do do yoga every night you do yoga you just don't call it yoga wait (laughs) you said you should treat it like yoga and then you made a claim that you don't do yoga i don't do yoga every night you do yoga positions to stretch out your back every single night (laughs) i truly am being outed here 
No, but it's <laughs> but it's better it's better from a it's better for my brand if I say in an ironic way that I never do yoga and just do yoga privately than say, "Well, I do some yoga." That's just boring. Yeah, you do yoga. So okay. <laughs> Also, you brought up um at the very beginning you were bringing up Friendsgiving and the boys versus girls competition. Yeah. Because everyone loves competition. Right? <laughs> Are you on team boy or team girl? Uh, I gotta be on team girl, right? Okay, just wondering. Are you taking Clara to Costco? Sure. <laughs> uh, any other trivia you have? So the only other thing that I would say about yoga is hopefully that it was a, it was an analogy that worked, where it, it wasn't just for for laughs, where I threw yoga under the bus with my stiff back hopefully not injuring my back while throwing yoga this makes me want to under the bus but you know yoga is good for our bodies and we should actually you know everybody should do a little bit of yoga as as they get older to 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 stay limber if you know what i mean and but then on the other hand at a deeper level like yoga can be this whole new agey religious system not just implicitly but explicitly but I don't get worried when I hear people at Liberty Collingswood that are committed to Jesus that are doing yoga. I'm, I'm not like, oh, I'm so worried about how they're going to be taken over by the devil. I'm, right. I'm like, good. They're making good, healthy it's a choices. Pra- it's a body practice. Right. That... So let's be nuanced people. And we should care about the environment, but also be aware that there are some ideological elements that are against the Bible and against Christianity. But what if church, this goes Back to the third way walk and worldview stuff. What if churches can be places where maybe this is one of the few communities left in our country where we're not constantly throwing out the baby with the bathwater sure. for the for the sake of slogans and signaling? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, Sweet. And your rocking chair issue. Hmm. Which is being taken over. Nobody's sitting in your rocking being chair. colonized. Just because I sit at work and have a really messy workstation by the window and then Josiah's not working there. Right. So, so my, my pristine <laughs> rocking chair, stereo. We're not sitting in your rocking chair. Drinking book. Even over the past week, it is being taken over by well, I liter- senior in high school. And I literally told him. He's been procrastinating a lot of things. And I said... Like he's complaining that coffee sh- shops are closed mm. at nine, which they weren't before COVID, right. but they actually are right now. So I said, like, try working downstairs instead of upstairs because you'll like reshape your brain to like be able to work in that space. Mm. And I also have been a little bit busier, so I've been working <laughs> the lion at the in new little table grumpy. by the. You <laughs> can just move your rocking chair somewhere. You actually, you have another rocking chair, the same exact rocking chair. I have chair. different rockers <laughs> in different places for different purposes. It's not complicated. I, I will try to Black Friday deal a stereo system for your second rocking chair. <laughs> How about that? As long as it plays CDs. Um, that might be difficult. <laughs> I'll go thrift store shopping for that. Um, <laughs> Touche. Yeah. My only last guitar slim pickings is that... Um, Jesse, after the sermon, after the service, well, mm-hmm. well, after Eric gave his like wine freestyle about like the wine that was, it, oh, yeah, right, yeah. Jesse was complaining that the grape juice was also not pure grape juice, and I was like, "What? You got wine instead of grape?" No, she was like, "No, 
it's like the it's like the mixed grape juice for an apple <laughs> juice mix. It's not like pure grape juice. And I was oh. like, oh, there is a connection between Eric and Jesse. That's funny. <laughs> Usually it's negative comments about the quality of wine, but yeah. let's just take it to the next level. She she was disappointed. Right. Yeah, we'll do better next time. Okay, on to the Encore Helen Wolves. Anytime you want, you can message us. You can, you know, uh, make Jim's phone go wild with text buzzes that don't actually happen. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Come on, do not disturb most of the time. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Or you can email. um, What is our email again? PostSundayBlues at gmail.com. There's the voice again. Um, Like Scott did. Here we go. Helen Wolves Scott wrote in. This this email is gonna like channel channel my like reading Josiah's college essay brain where I start like remembering college and just starting to have like a lot of feelings. But they're not related to you, Scott. So here we go. Hey, Jim and Emily. <laughs> what? It's a great intro. <laughs> great sermon as always, Woo! right, Scott? It reminded me of my research in grad school. Mm. The environmentalists of the day, called naturalists believed that the environment literally affected human development. The European argument was that Americans would slowly devolve into savages because the environment in the U.S. was worse than that of Europe. Americans fought back, quote-unquote, against this idea, and I researched Hugh Williamson of North Carolina, who spent time, money, and energy discussing how to drain the Great Dismal Swamp in North Carolina. The one thing the literature of the time suggests is that we can affect the environment too much and then it becomes actually harmful to the people. Um, So one needed to be careful of how one tried to bend the environment to one's will. I could go on, but this email would be the length of my paper. (laughs) Comments? Scott, thanks so much for writing in. And those, I do remember you telling me about this trip to South Carolina before, but it is interesting in the broader context, including of this sermon, that the quote unquote, Scott put savages in quotes, by the way. Let's, uh, let's, you know, not throw Scott, on, not throw our Helen Wolf under the bus, too. Okay. But, yeah, so I would actually be interested to see the paper, Scott, if you yeah. are comfortable sending it my way. And, Scott, a promise that we will make to you is if you send in the paper, Emily will read it in its entirety the next episode. <laughs> I don't think that's an actual promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a podcast full of lies. <laughs> if you caught Jim in any lies, you again can write to postsundayblues at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you think. And um, maybe I'll send you a picture of Jim and his ponytail. Actually, that's the that's actually the mug on our, our little logo yeah, now. Just, yeah, just, you know, the podcast that's art. That's what Jim looks like right. a lot of times. That is true. And I'll say at a broader level, um, I so we didn't get specific emails to blues. Well, we got one last week related to this, but over the past week and a half, I have appreciated the feedback on the sermon about gender identification that I preached two Sundays ago, where whether you know, texted to me or emails to jim at liberty.org, uh, there are a number of people that appreciated the balance of truth and grace that they heard in that sermon, and that's what I was going for. So I, I say that I thrive on constructive free feedback, but I also appreciate the occasional positive feedback as yeah. well. I'll work on that. Finally. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The, but, but overall, this, the, this, this podcast is a, is a place of 
grief and shame. So <laughs> we, uh, but it, but it is nice to, to balance it out. Speaking of which, Am, I wanted to tell you that, so we're recording on a Tuesday morning. Sunday and Monday, the previous two days, were our two highest download days ever. What, what? So. I still don't trust the numbers. Right. Well, I do when they're good. And numbers are good and i will say so thank you for those that are spreading the word that are rating reviewing and subscribing and this was a highlight for me we had our first download from italy two weeks ago your own download yes (laughs) okay with that how was it wait uh actually i had one more thing (laughs) <laughs> are you okay, going to in. are you going to like paste this back in or are you going to just leave no, it I'm just as gonna is? go for it okay, wanted, wanted yeah, to well. say <laughs> here we go <laughs> podcast announcing Jim the, wanted to say i had a really good meeting with pat our new digital ministry director pat at Trick McAdams. liberty collingswood and we, we have some we have some new podcast ideas coming down the pike so what we're going to start working on is keeping post-Sunday blues a preaching post-mortem, but maybe adding a couple other podcasts to the Liberty Collingswood podcast universe. It's going to be great. Did you know that Patrick McAdams decapitated one of his daughter's Lego dolls in a garbage disposal and caused extreme trauma? <laughs> I mean... He's working for us 10 hours a week as long as it didn't occur during those okay, 10 hours. Okay, how are we supposed to end this concerned. podcast? I've already said the phrase. <laughs> it's on you now. How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. You are a slurpy tea drinker. No, so are you. Everybody uh, is. There's not, I not mean, this is all. not like an English tea, tea cup. <laughs> are you coming at me? <laughs>